started policing bears. We shouldn't police our bears. The long, hard of the law in Alabama is to blame for this. This is government overreach at its finest. Hello and welcome back to Apod Latcha. And if you're just joining us for the first time, hello and welcome. My name is Chuck Cora. I'm joined as always by my wonderful co-host, Callie Pruitt. Got a banger of an opener today. And, and I want to start by discussing resolutions or lack thereof. I don't want to call this a resolution. I feel like resolutions are tacky. But what I will say, this is a promise, actually. If I get to my pre-COVID weight, which I'm almost there. Uh, my pre-COVID weight was 199, and I'm currently at two around 207, and my heaviest- So close. I'm so close. My heaviest was 225. So I've the journey has been long, arduous, but we're getting there. If I make it to 199, I am doing, I'm fulfilling my goal, my ultimate dream that we've talked about, where I'm going to combine the three different cereals, Count Chocula- oh, I was going to- it, was a it is one. Count Chocula, Booberry, and Frankenberry into one beautiful cereal orgy of deliciousness. I love, and that. I'm gonna do it, and I'll post a video of it too. I um I tweeted about this. I think New Year's resolutions is a great way to okay. start this out. Um, my New Year's resolution, and some people may have seen it, is that I am going to tolerate no more Republican boyfriends from any of my girls. So. Unpack that Not. more because, I mean, it, this clearly is enough of a problem <laughs> that you're making a resolution about it. Yeah, I just, um, I don't know. I feel like I feel like some of my gals need to need to up their standards a little bit. And uh, I have not been so outspoken about it before. I've been like, eh, he must be nice. But now I am going to be outspoken about not. Not, I mean, look at what's happening in our country in the last year. I cannot tolerate Republican boyfriends anymore. So that's, I feel like I, I don't really like weight loss, um, like resolutions. Cause I feel like, you know, you have the journey like you, you know, you've been doing this. It didn't take a new year for you to like tweak your diet and eat better, you know, like I, so I, no, I, I took think pictures from someone's wedding. <laughs> <laughs> That'll do it. Um, but hey, yeah. I've lost I've lost like seventeen pounds since then. So yeah, it worked. yeah, yeah. The best the best weight loss that I have ever the best weight loss met- method I've ever had is getting pregnant. Um, I am back down to my pre COVID weight. Hilarious! It's hilarious. Literally cooking a human inside your your tummy oven. Yeah, I I don't know how it's happening, but it did. And um so yeah, I'm trying all I'm doing now is eating like I'm eating like so much candy um in addition to my regular meals. I'm just like trying to pack on anything. I'm like, "What do you want, baby?" You're like, already I'm, spoiling your child. <laughs> I know I'm giving you whatever you want. Just like sour patch kids out the wazoo. Well, that's a strong strong way to open the year, I think. Yeah. But speaking of strong ways to open the year, we've got a strong opener for this show. I can tell you that right now. Boy. We do. Who is... Controversial. Is, oh, oh, boy, is it ever. I mean, and we're no stranger to, to doing controversy. I mean, our opening episode of 2022 was What is Appalachia? And that, that started several Twitter feuds. So yeah. hopefully this will happen again. We're doing who is Appalachian? Whoa. I mean, a hell of an opener, I think. 
and it's a fun one. We've actually got a lot yeah. of stuff coming up in the pipeline, but who is Appalachia? We're going to be talking about it. Um, we also have a great under the radar in Appalachia segment about a recent article in the Atlantic magazine that was titled The Photographer Undoing the Myth of Appalachia. We're going to discuss whether or not the photographer undid it. The myth in Appalachia got some strong opinions there, too. <laughs> Yeah, I'm hot about this one. I I have a lot of opinions. I've been tagged in that like a dozen times. So this is this is for all of you people who tag me. For all of you dozen, even a baker's dozen maybe. But the first thing, we're going to do a soft <laughs> we'll call it a soft opening. And by soft I mean not well, I don't want to say it's not controversial, maybe it is. I don't know. <laughs> we're going to do um some of the weirdest laws in Appalachian states for our list. So and let me just backtrack. If you're just joining us, we got some new subscribers from our award show. And so every episode, we have our main content. We do a list that pertains to Appalachia, and we do Under the Radar in Appalachia. So our list this week decided to go kind of fun. Some of the weirdest laws in Appalachian states. We thought, you know what? Do a soft opening this year. Callie, what are your thoughts about this before we get rolling? I am so thrilled at this list. I mean, look... The, the more you know, um, I right. a lot of these had no, no, no clue. Um, so I, I'm ready to dive in. Well, as someone who went to law school and decided not to be a lawyer, I can tell you that laws are oftentimes weird, stupid, and pointless. Many of these are. Some of them aren't. But let's get started with one that I think is hilarious. This was, in fairness, repealed in 2010. But reminder, it took until 2010 to repeal this. The great state of West Virginia, starting out, cohabiting is a crime. West Virginia Code 61-8-4. If any persons not married to each other lewdly and lasciviously associate and cohabit together shall be guilty of a misdemeanor and be fined not less than $50 and may be imprisoned not exceeding six months. What? And if you're a repeat offender, they can actually imprison you for up to two a year, or they could before it's repealed. So, all right, let's break this down. They, you would have to literally know, so lewdly and lasciviously, so like, how do they know what's happening behind these closed doors? I, you're going to have some rats. You're going to have some rats. H- has anyone ever been convicted of this crime? I'm sure they have. Snitches don't just get stitches. Snitches are the ones who are ratting people out. I think, like, this is, like, I would have been so guilty of this so many times. Yeah, oh, yeah. So many times. Like, living with some... Chris and I lived together when we weren't married for, like, three years. And granted, it wasn't in West Virginia. It was in Tennessee. But, I mean, I'm sure Tennessee had a lot like this, too. same. Me and Danny. I'm a firm believer in you you gotta live together before actually yeah you were committing this crime actively for a while up until recently up until literally july (laughs) yeah so thank god this was repealed in 2010 or else we'd be podcasting here with a criminal i know i know i uh thank god on you uh sending one up right now um but yeah i i just feel like um also a 50 dollar fine is very random um, and you guys no less than $50. So it has to be actually 50 or more. So is this, is this a city crime or is it a, like, would you go to a municipal court or would you go to like a, a state level, like a magistrate? 
This is West Virginia state law, so what, whatever I, I would assume it'd be in the state courts. Wow. So you would be uh, you'd be dealing with with a public defender like Danny. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, wow. Um, that's a hot start. That, I mean, it's very hot. Do you want to take the next one? Yeah. Um, this one, we uh, we kind of just paraphrased it as infant bartering. Um, I, I mean, it's barely paraphrased. <laughs> when you read it, it's barely yeah. paraphrased. So this one, this one comes from the great state of Pennsylvania. Um, the criminal statutes. Um, I don't know how to read that legal, whatever the hell that is. But that just means section. Section. There we go. Um, all right. So it says a person is guilty of a misdemeanor of the first degree if he deals in humanity by trading, bartering, buying, selling, or dealing in infant children. This is written like a drug statute. Why is this a misdemeanor? Yeah, I mean, honestly, great fucking point. It should be a felony if you are buying and selling babies. Right, right. This is this feels it feels a little bit too lax. Like, okay, I I can see the intent behind the. This is why I said they're weird laws. Some of them may be good. I'm not going to say this one is inherently bad, although it should be a felony. But because like this is definitely a human trafficking issue. But it's just like. Who barters and babies? Yeah, bartering was a weird thing to throw in there. You know, buying, selling, dealing, but like trading and bartering. What do you trade for an infant? (laughs) Yeah, what are you what are you trading with? I'll give you this baby if you give me what like a like a like a Ford Fiesta or something. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Or or was it? I mean, I don't know when this was when this was actually a thing. Is it kind of like a dowry where you get like? 10 goats and a certain amount of hay. I mean, I don't know. A certain amount of hay. Yeah. <laughs> honestly, honestly, this might be an anti-dowry statute. I think you might be Could right. Be. Could be. Maybe this is Pennsylvania's way of systematically dismantling the caste system. Good on you. That probably didn't <laughs> no. really exist in Pennsylvania. I don't know. But yeah, no, I my firm stance is that this this should not be a misdemeanor. No, I mean, I'm with you. I'm yeah. with you. And I think that you're public defender husband Danny would probably agree. I don't want to speak for him, mm, but... Yeah, no, I think he would agree as well. How about you take this next one? This next one, first of all, I'm just going to throw it out here. Fucking bullshit. <laughs> Fucking bullshit. I, and if this is not... Been, I don't know if this is an active law. I haven't, you know, haven't shepherdized it for all you law school nerds out there. Even though nobody uses LexisNexis, we all use Westlaw. Bear wrestling. Alabama Code Section 13A-12-5... A person commits the offense of unlawful bear exploitation if he or she knowingly does any one of the following. Promotes, engages in, or is employed at a bear wrestling match. So you can get dinged even for just being, I don't know, the ticket taker at a bear wrestling event. Or they promote, engage in, or is employed, or wait, excuse me, or they receive money for the admission of another person to a place kept for bear wrestling, sells, purchases, possesses, or trains a bear for bear wrestling. So, I have questions. I really would love to know the back. Yeah, I'm with you. I would love to know the backstory of this. I I have so many questions. One is: Is the bear wrestling a human, or is the bear wrestling another bear? Great question. Great question. No nuance in this law. Yeah, I. Um, it doesn't define who is wrestling who. Um, look, I don't like exploitation of animals. No, I don't. I don't like it. But I don't. 
I just, I need to understand. Is this like Pocahontas 2 where they like go and the bear's like chained to the floor and they like make a, I mean, I always had to skip that scene because it made me cry when I was a child. If For those of you who've seen Pocahontas 2, <laughs> um, where like they, they make a show out of the bear. I don't know. Um, is this like a circus? But it's so specific to wrestling is, is like, I've never even heard of that. I mean, I've heard of like cockfighting and like right. dog fighting, but I've never heard of bear wrestling. Yeah, if this is like a Michael Vick situation, I'm not into it. But if this is like bears wrestling each other, putting them in half Nelsons and pinning and then seeing who's the winner, game on. Because that sounds fucking awesome. Why are we policing bears? We shouldn't police our bears. The long, hard dick of the law in Alabama is to blame for this. This is government overreach at its finest. It is. The the uh, communist state of Alabama needs to do better. Uh, in all seriousness, <laughs> this is probably something like bear fighting that they're trying to discourage. I would I would assume if we're giving them the best intentions, that's probably it. But I suppose I want to I want to understand the background of this. Like how how bad was the bear wrestling getting that they needed to do this? Yeah, was this like was there a bear wrestling kingpin? You know, did they tr- did they barter in bears? Did they did they barter in bears? That's a great fucking question. Who was the Ursine kingpin of Birmingham? We don't. I, we don't know. More intel is needed. Yeah, if you have anything, um, we info at appodlatcha.com. <laughs> Please, thank you. All right, this next one, I can take this one. You, you got it. This is your home state. I and I I love it. I love it so much. Fortune telling. This was mm-hmm. repealed, but this is North Carolina code 14-404.5 or 401.5. And repeal is bullshit. I am against this. I am against this <laughs> law. Well, actually, let me retract. I am for this because this law should have never been written. So no one may be a professional fortune teller. And if one wishes to pursue the practice as an amateur, it must be practiced in school or church. <laughs> Okay, so this is like like palm readers, fortune tellers, people who read tarot. Yeah, so um, this is definitely like Bible Belt, North Carolina coming through in our laws. Um, I I. 100% know where this comes from and like many a, a lot of people in in North Carolina do believe that like doing this like reading your um like your oh my god what is that called horoscope that reading yeah there's a lot of people believe that like reading your horoscope is a sin and that like looking to the future like looking to things that aren't Christianity in the Bible or like Jesus to to read your future is a sin that sends you to hell. Um, and so, yeah, I see exactly where this came from, but I, I'm glad that it got repealed because God, I love a good tarot reader. They're just, you know, there are lots of ways to just have fun in this world and why people get meaning out of so many things. And I don't know, I'm pro fortune telling because it can, it can give people like focus and meditation on their lives. And like, I don't know. I just think it's like largely a good thing. I'm just pro fortune telling because I get, I think it's fun. Yeah. I, I remember getting a tarot reading at a meadery in Columbus, Ohio during one of my friend's bachelor parties, and it was a blast. I, also, What I was your reading? Say, I God, I can't. I was too drunk. I can't remember. 
Uh, I we wish should I get, could. We should get a tarot reader to come on and do a tarot reading for Apod Latch. I love that. I love that. Yeah. Um, I think that would be so fun. It, well, first of all, the Bible itself is fortune telling. I mean, have you ever read the book of Revelation? The entire book is predicting the future and telling a fortune, some would say. So I'm just saying bullshit. The whole thing. Pretty much. And so Start this is just... Got, I'm glad that this got repealed, first of all. Very progressive of them to repeal this because... Because I, I think that you should be able to tell fortunes no matter where you are. The, the grocery store, the your Freemasons meeting, your grandma's house, your grandma's friend's house, the bingo hall. I don't know why I'm going through all these things that old people do, but who cares? Uh, my question to you is, did you ever tell fortunes in school since you're the product of uh, North Carolina public schools? No, I... I don't understand where that comes from. Like the the exception for school and church. Like I don't know what you would do in either of those venues unless unless it was like, you know, the little um like the the folding things that you would go like pick one, two, three, or four, yeah. and then you would fold it out. Um I did those all the time and if you played MASH. So I guess I did. I guess I did in school participate in fortune telling because Every girl does. <laughs> yeah, you almost broke the law, but thank God it was in school. So I know you would have been yeah. a repeat offender here. Well, thank God I would have. Well, the next one: dying blue ducks, Kentucky Revised Statute four thirty six point six hundred. One may not dye a duckling blue and offer it for sale unless more than six are for sale at once. I have questions again. <laughs> I I do too. I have some theories, but I have questions. Why why just blue? And why just duck? So, the blue, I'm wondering if it has to do with the University of Kentucky. If somebody had some idea of like let me sell blue ducks for people who are drunk uh-huh. at football games, maybe, or basketball games, maybe. But the yeah. duck portion of it is very confusing to me. Yeah, yeah. It it that seems very strange. This that's a God, we need the backstory on all of these. Um, also, unless there are more than six for sale at once, I is that is that just because you know you would want to mass die these ducklings? I yeah, I don't understand that either. But what is fun is a group of ducks can be called a raft of ducks, or a team of ducks, or a paddling of ducks. So if you had, oh, I like a paddling. If you had a paddling of ducks, you were dying blue. Or that were for sale. I mean, maybe it's okay. I don't. I, again, this is one of those where it's like, a, why does it exist? B, are they enforcing this? Like, am I going to get arrested if I go to downtown Lexington selling blue ducks? What, what cop knows this? Yeah. Who knows this? Like, that's that's what I our law enforcement. There is no way that they know like most. And of these. am I going to get arrested There's by a cop no if way. I if I walk up to him and be like, yeah, back the blue, quack quack, and give him a couple of blue ducks? Is he really going to arrest me for that? No, he's probably going to reward me with right. the key to the city. There's no code for blue ducks. There's no you can't call in a five oh seven. You know, yeah. There's no code for blue ducks. There's no code for fortune telling. <laughs> If there is, please correct us, info at iPodLatch.com. You're more than welcome to send us an email. Yeah. We will read it on this show. But, yeah, I'm calling bullshit on this. Uh, yeah. I, I think there's probably one guy that just got crazy about dying ducks and they had to write a law about it, I guess. Uh, I don't yeah. know, though. But this next one is very animal-related. Oh, I, God, I, I'm so excited. Can I read oh, this? Oh, hell one? yeah, let it rip. 
<laughs> so Tennessee code annotated 39-3-101 says that the definition of dumb animal is every living creature. <laughs> oh, yes. I a dumb animal, Chuck. I I truly love it, first of all. And I think this one may may have been repealed, but um I It's brilliant. It is I brilliant. Just, I I love it. I don't know why it's a law, but I I love that every living every living creature is a dumb animal. <laughs> I do love that. And like this one again may have been repealed. I truly tried to find laws that were actually on the book because there's a lot of these websites that are like here's a dumb law and then you try to find the actual code and there's none like there is one for Aniston Alabama that said anybody like it's illegal to wear jeans on Noble Street and I found that (laughs) in five different articles but I could not for the life of me I looked through the Aniston Alabama city code of ordinances and could not find it I love how passionate you are about this thank you Um, I also love just how brutally savage Tennessee is. Yeah. Like they just in every single way. And every time we mention them on this show, they are doing something completely savage. Well, and you know, I honestly kind of respect it a little bit because, you know, you're really just like, you're not leaving anything to chance. Every living creature is dumb. Yeah. Which like, I think like there's an existential Fucking thing there. Asses. Yeah. Because yeah, like, we're just like one little pea in a pod in the universe. I mean, maybe we There are. is an existential. There's like an element to that that's like nothing matters. It's very nihilistic. Yeah. And very I LOL, imagine nothing that, matters. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, it, it, it's, it, it can definitely take you down a road. I mean, I want to, the person who wrote it, I just, I think that they're probably like a very dark personality. <laughs> But yeah. we'll probably get along with us great. No, I mean, I'm 100%. Abso-fucking-lutely. Last one. The last one, and this is one very important. I do believe it may still be an active statute. I have not checked. But um, you can't be arrested in Ohio on a Sunday or the 4th of July. Ohio Revised Code 2331.12. No person shall be arrested during a sitting uh, a sitting session of the Senate or House of Representatives within the hall where such a session is being held or in any court of justice during the sitting of such court or on a Sunday or on the 4th of July. That's, re- that's active? I think... Wow. I'm pretty sure. I, di- so, I didn't see where it had been. Rob uh, your banks on Sunday. It is active. It is, uh, well, it was effective as of October 1st, 1953. And um, it doesn't say that it's been repealed. And this is on the, the Ohio Laws and Administrative Rules Legislative Service Commission website. Wow. Um, do crime on Sunday, I suppose. Do some fucking crime on Sunday. That's the Lord's Day, and the Lord is telling... Die your ducks blue. Die your goddamn ducks blue. Barter your kids. Wrestle your bears. Tell your fortunes. And call animals dumb, baby, because the Lord's Day, and the Lord wants you to commit crime. Yep. Oh, Can't finish it better than that. That's in the Bible for sure. <laughs> Well, if you have any more dumb laws, let us know. Otherwise, thank you all. Uh, We appreciate you. We're going to move on to our announcements now. 
We have a Patreon, patreon.com slash appodlatch. It's how we support our show. You can donate as little as a dollar a month and get access to exclusives. We try to do them almost every single week, and we have a new uh, bonus series for our $10 members. We're going to be doing notable Appalachians and make it funny and informative, but if you join our Patreon, you get a special little perk, and it's a limerick written by none other than Callie Pruitt herself. We've got two new members this week. Kelly, let it rip. Very excited for these new members. Um, yes, join our Patreon. It's a lot of fun. And, you know, it's just me and Chuck that do this show. We're not we're not syndicated. We're not part of any, you know, big podcast network. We're so not we need your support. Yeah, we're not I was literally gonna say Wondery. <laughs> we're not Wondery, we're not we're not Earwolf. I don't I don't know what that There we go. That was a good I had to pull one. Pull that one out of my ass. I love it. All right. First up is Jackie. Give us a hand for Jackie, a therapist who will never be tacky. <laughs> She's a Kentucky native and oh so creative. Thanks for making the world a little more wacky. I like that. I yeah, like that, that was a, a good I like one. It a lot. Um, so our second Patreon subscriber that is new is the Kentucky Normal Foundation. Um, and I looked them up. They're amazing. You should look them up too. And I'm about to tell you why. Raise your cup for normal in the fight for we justice like us, just more formal. <laughs> They're fierce in their plans and we are all stands. Their power is damn paranormal. Fuck yeah. And Normal, a national organization for the reform of marijuana laws, a great organization has been around for a long time. In fact, since like I think 1970. Um, love that. Love them. They're, uh, uh, we're obviously big fans of them and what they do in Kentucky. Um, and they go right along with today's sponsor, Cornbread Hemp. We love Cornbread Hemp, of course. We've been, they've been sponsors with us for a long time because they're Kentucky-based, just like Kentucky Normal Foundation. How could I have ignored that connection? Love it. Callie, you've had cornbread hemp. It's wonderful. It's flower-only, full-spectrum, USDA-certified organic CBD products. They even have high-THC gummies, which we love. We're, I'm a big fan. I'm actually going to take some tonight because, you know, they help me get to sleep and they help me relax, chill out a little bit. You, um, I don't know that you can take them now since you're pregnant, but... Can you- Not taking them now, but boy, do I miss them. <laughs> I think about them every day. <laughs> every day. Every, she's counting down the days till this baby comes out so that she can finally pop those sweet, sweet gummies in. Yep, and that should tell you something. Mm-hmm. We love them. We love Cornbread Hemp. They're they're a great sponsor because not only are they a great company that's doing important work and they are crowdfunded, no corporate cash. We love them, too, because they're powerful advocates for legal reforms to cannabis laws, including cultivation, sale, growth, all those types of things. They're trying to really move the ball forward in Kentucky, and uh, we just really appreciate them for that. They're fighting the good fight, and they're also a great business that's doing great work and uh, bringing a lot to the economy of Kentucky, and so we're, we really appreciate them. And we, we love Jim, their co-founder. He's, uh, he's a good friend of our show, has been for a long time. Yeah, they're they're not just they're not just incredible producers that make a product that is damn dope. Um, they they are uh, they're really amazing advocates. And uh, if you if you missed our episode with Jim from Cornbread, that was a, f- a couple weeks ago. Um, go check that out. Uh, we talk about marijuana law reform in, in both the Kentucky atmosphere as well as the national sphere. Um, so we love Cornbread. 
They're amazing. Absolutely. Yeah, and that was on December 6th, my wife's birthday, uh, um, our episode number 160. Check it out. Jim Higdon, co-founder of Cornbread Hemp. He's an incredible guy. It's an incredible company. You can use our code BANJO, B-A-N-J-O, to get 25% off at checkout. That's a monster discount. They got everything. Yeah. They got CBD lotion. They've got CBD oil. They've got CBD even for your pets. Big dog. She takes it. She likes it. And, of course, the gummies, which they actually have the, the peach flavor. They've got fruit flavor. I think they're coming out with a new one. Could be. Yeah, I think they're going to do seasonal ones. Is yeah, they said. did a blueberry one for the love holidays. That. Which, I love that. Yes, love it. I haven't had a chance to try it yet, but I'm sure it's delicious. Anyway, check them out, cornbreadhemp.com. We love them. Support them. And by supporting them, you can also support us. So, Callie, you came up with today's topic. Why don't you give us some background to it? Yeah, I um, I really wanted to take the temperature of the room of our listeners and the folks who follow me um, and, and Appalachians for Appalachia, my organization, on who do the people who are most involved in this community believe is Appalachian? Because I, I have heard this conversation happening over the last few years as Appalachia has had this renaissance, as we've had more exposure in the media and a huge growth of interest in our folkways and culture and music. Um, and a, just a growth of Appalachian identity politics, which many people have a lot of uh, things to say about. Um, yeah. And so they're, they're either they're, uh, there's there's lovers, there's haters, um, and there are people in the middle on Appalachian identity politics. And so I wanted to pose the question. Who is Appalachian? Who gets to claim that moniker? And we got some really um, amazing feedback and results from that. And I'm really excited to kind of walk through what I feel like are, are some buckets of answers and then talk about, you know, what Chuck and I believe um, should be considered Appalachian moving forward. Well, I love this. I love starting out the year with a good old-fashioned controversial episode to get the blood boiling, to get the bones moving. And so this is actually, it's funny because last year, our first episode was another, I guess, controversial one. What is Appalachia? And I wanted to just briefly give some refresher slash background from that episode. We discussed what it was a year ago, which spoiler complicated answer to that too it's often defined both geographically politically and culturally as a region uh one geographic feature is the appalachian mountains obviously which we won't get into much today but they stretch all the way from canada to alabama um needless to say not many canadians identify as appalachian culturally though it's more difficult to say where appalachia begins ends and entails in fact you know it was right around a year ago that Big John got into a Twitter feud with somebody else about what is and isn't Appalachia based on that very episode. So, fun times. Um, the map, though, that you've come to know and love, and it's actually, if you're watching on YouTube, is right behind Callie's left shoulder, is known as the ARC map, the Appalachian Regional Commission map, and it's a political map comprised of 423 counties across 13 states that was devised by Congress among a number of backroom deals. It's one that we go by, but it's inherently flawed like many other things in our life. Um, so I want to give that as a, just a smidge of a background. If you want to know more, you can check out that episode. It was the first one of last year. I think it was number... What was it? I'm going to look it up right now. It was number 114. So 
we I recently put out a poll. Um, you may if you follow us on Instagram or Twitter, um, you may have seen this poll uh, where I wanted to get an idea of what our folks really thought about this. And I, it was private, so I'm not going to say any names. Um, but I wanted to kind of talk through the four buckets of people and answers that I kind of got in these and give you a few examples of them. The first category and the one that I think is probably the prevailing um, national narrative around Appalachia is the Central Appalachian Purist. So this is someone who like one of our replies was as a West Virginian, I am biased to me. It's a culture uh, in West Virginia, Kentucky, Tennessee, etc. We have had some people who said, uh, let me see, I'm w- walking through some of these right now. True Appalachia is the mountains of West Virginia, eastern Kentucky, southwestern Virginia, northeast Tennessee, and western North Carolina. Um, and and so very specific. Very yeah, very specific. And so these we got a lot of answers that were kind of like that, um, that that really narrowed it down to what we know as central Appalachia, which is kind of like just this area in here. Um, and so I, I think that that is when you say Appalachia to someone outside of the region, I think that their mind immediately goes to places like Eastern Kentucky and West Virginia. So I think that nationally, this is the one that that a lot of people think of. So category two is the spirit of Appalachia. So this is somebody who says, um, Let's look at some of our answers here. Um, we have people who say that it's about community, um, that anyone who resi- resides in the region, who calls it home and embraces life in the mountains, um, people who are mountain folk. I've always considered it a heart thing. People who see the mountains and know their home, people who love their community and their neighbors. I really loved that answer because I think that that encapsulates what these people believe. So The first one really says no transplants, nobody from outside the region. This is this is our like this. You have to be born and raised here. Number two, category number two, the spirit of Appalachia would include someone like my husband, Danny, who considers himself Appalachian. He's lived in the region now for over a year. Um, He loves the culture. He loves that we're going to raise our kids here. And that's kind of category number two. I want to stop there and let you react to those first two categories. Yeah, Um this is going to get controversial, which I love. I love. Light that fire. Just me some pissed off people, and that's fine. Uh, first of all, I'm going to spoil alert people a little bit here with my opinions. I, I'm not in a position to tell you one way or the other who gets to claim Appalachian identity. I'm not. I'm going to give my opinions on what I think it most closely aligns to, but I, I, I am not you know, some figure of authority that can say, you are or you aren't. Now, that's been a policy of mine for a long time to not say someone is so-and-so is, is or isn't Appalachian. Because I just, I don't want to get into policing someone's identity like that. And that's why I've made some people angry when I have sometimes refused to say that J.D. Vance is or isn't an Appalachian. There's a lot of people, because they don't like them, 
they don't like him rather that they say that he's not an Appalachian and you know I don't know I don't really care it doesn't matter he's an asshole that's what I know and that's what I'm comfortable opining on for him the central Appalachian purist one that you mentioned though is interesting because I do think that that aligns with what a lot of people do think often West Virginia and Eastern Kentucky are the most commonly associated places with Appalachia I would say anyway my experience and I think that's also the case because oftentimes those places embody the characteristics and oftentimes you can find the stereotypes or at least examples of them there that most people associate Appalachia with. The spirit of Appalachia is an interesting one, too, because, you know, the thing with all the embodying the values and stuff like that, those values, in my opinion, aren't exclusive to Appalachia. So you can have those anywhere. But I do, you know, I do understand and respect that. What I will say, what I will push back on is the whole notion that, well, you have to be born here in order to be considered Appalachian. You know, plenty of people have been born elsewhere and then grew up in Appalachia or moved here when they were younger and consider themselves Appalachian. And I'm not going to tell them that they're wrong. And I think, you know, it comes down to not wanting to be a gatekeeper. And that's something that I, I think since starting the show, we, we have, I say we, uh, I can only speak for myself since, uh, you know, John has since left the show, can't speak for himself. But I know that I grew away from that because when we started the show I was I was very much more in that camp and I think as I came to grow and understand the region more and the people I've I've grown away from that perspective so I just I don't want to be in the gatekeeping business and say that somebody is or isn't something yeah I think that's fair so moving into our second set of categories category three and four so category three is the family roots person. So these people are the people who say people born in the region as defined by the U.S. government. Um, Anyone born and raised in the region who identifies with the culture, anybody with roots in Appalachia, these are the people, anyone with a connection, there's a family there. Um, But even if they leave the region, but they maintain the culture, they're still Appalachian. We got a lot of answers like this. Um, And so I think that the family roots one is very I mean, it's kind of like a. it's kind of like these are these are kind of like a, a an identity, like a like an identity test for people, because I felt like a lot of expat Alachians were the people answering category three um, and a lot of a lot of people who were born and raised and live in central Appalachia were category one, the central Appalachian purist. So I, I think that there are defining features of each of these categories. Um, Um, And so the family roots one is that, you know, these people, these are the people who and this is just the most famous example. And I'm I'm sorry to bring him up, but the family roots one who would say that J.D. Vance is Appalachian because he has family roots here. Um, And so I think that 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 is a little bit different than say the spirit or the spirit of Appalachian or like the other categories. Yeah. Yeah. It, that's an interesting one too, because I, I do think that that one sort of fills in the gaps of some of the others where if you're not born here, but you have family roots here, which I can understand that for sure. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So our, our last category is uh, the ARC observant. So these are the people who are like the government defined it. And this is the if you're if you're from southern New York, um, you're Appalachian. And, and this is people who they do not adhere to the cultural aspect. So this is just like if you live in this region, 
Like if you live anywhere in it, doesn't matter if you were born or raised here, then you are Appalachian. Whether you know what Appalachian culture is or not, you're Appalachian. They are the ARC observant people. Um, and so uh, these are like, um, these are, I uh, grew up in a county that's Appalachian. According to the maps, I'm Appalachian, uh, was an answer that we got. Um, we have some people who say, um, let, like, let's see, people born in ARC Appalachia um, would say, but that's that's a little bit different, um, but still an ARC observant person. But we got a lot of answers like that. And, and so those are my four categories. Tell me if I'm wrong. Go ahead. Well, first of all, you're not wrong because this is just based off of our our following on, on our social media platforms, which is large, like in the sense of like, we're getting a, I think a pretty good, a decent sample, you know, not, I'm not going to say it's representative, but, and so what I would say is I, I, I'm not going to say that at least, you know, three of those categories, the people are wrong because they're not, I, I, and I have like opinions on this. I think where I fall in a lot of this and not to jump ahead necessarily, what I would say is I think this is very similar to when, when discussing the South, there are certain things that are definitely Southern or you're definitely from the South versus there's certain things that maybe like, I don't know, like, like it's a matter of opinion on people. Like if you're born in, you know, Mississippi or Alabama or Georgia, you know, you are definitely a Southerner or Tennessee, like all that stuff. But, you know, some people consider West Virginia or Virginia as part of the South. And there's some debate about that. Like, that's kind of how I feel about Appalachia. Like, if you're born in West Virginia or Eastern Kentucky or, you know, any of that or, or Western North Carolina, like, that's definitely, like, part of Appalachia, I guess, my opinion. But, like, the, I think that that can differ. And for me, it's a much more, like, nuanced conversation. Again, I'm not I, I'm not in the business of telling you whether you are or not. If you claim Appalachian identity, I'm not going to say that you're wrong. Um, unless maybe like if you're born, raised, and lived your entire life in California, then that's a different story. Um, but, you know, uh, you always get into these traps. Like there's always going to be a what about <laughs> or what if kind of thing. Or a, well, actually, we get a lot of those on Twitter. Right. Get a lot of them. And what I will say right. is if you want to claim Appalachian identity... Uh, then do so in a meaningful way. Don't be a dick and don't say, oh, it's about Toothless Hillbillies, Mountain Dew Mouth, and fucking yeah. your cousin. And and say, that, oh, I claim Appalachian identity because I do all those things. It's fucked up. Yeah. That, that's kind of where I fall, and I don't necessarily fall in a, a particular category. What I will say is that yeah. I don't like the purest bullshit. I, I don't. I'm sorry. And if And if that's how people feel, like, that's okay. Like you can feel that way. I don't like it because I think it's very exclusionary. And that's something that I don't think that we should really be getting into and practicing around this, this type of thing. I, I understand it's important to retain a cultural identity and, a, and an identity to a region. And it, the more that you kind of consider it, the, the more diluted that gets, I understand that. But this whole, if you aren't born in this particular holler i don't like that because i i don't think it builds this this familial community-based type of understanding and you know honestly the like what we've done on the show for a really long time since the beginning is like yeah we know the arc definition is flawed but when it comes to like identifying people from this region often we use that because number one it's like the easiest way to kind of really it's the easiest most concrete example that we have that you can look at because all the others are very like amorphous and yeah. they're very nebulous 
But the other thing is like yeah. a lot of those parts that may not be traditionally considered Appalachian by a lot of people, like Alabama, Mississippi, Georgia, Pennsylvania, parts of Pennsylvania, and, and so like that, a lot of those have been like written off marginalized parts of this country and they deserve attention too. And that's part of the justification for why we've included them. Not just the fact that it's part of the government definition, whether you like it or not, based on a political backroom deal, that is what it is. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, in kind of looking at all of these answers, I feel like I might might fall like 90% into category two, which is the spirit of Appalachia. Um, the 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 thing that we the answer that we got on that one um, that was just like mountain folk people like I've always considered it a heart thing. People who see the mountains and know their home, people who love their community and their neighbors. I think that like being Appalachian is a gift and it's something that we should share and it's something that we can share. And I, I'm with you. I don't want to gatekeep the magic that we have. And I also don't want to gatekeep that there are problem solvers from outside the region that have done great work here. Um, you know, I, the, the yeah. foundation for Appalachian Kentucky was founded by someone who was not originally from Kentucky and it has done amazing work for the region and so i think that to me this spirit of appalachia loving our culture loving our music loving our food loving our neighbors and doing what's right by our neighbors um i think that for me that's so much of what i want appalachia to be and i think that this appalachian identity politics is something that's really new Um, only scholars had talked about Appalachian people as a subset of the population before like 10 years ago. And now people, you know, I consider myself Appalachian more than I would consider myself a West Virginian, even though I live in West Virginia, because I just feel like my identity is regional and, and I feel like I have, I can't separate myself from that. And so as the politics of what being Appalachian develops, um, you know, some people hate that it's a thing and they, th- they say that it's made up. Um, I've seen that as a critique of our show a lot, um, that people say that we just are perpetuating something that's not actually real, that there's a problem with Appalachian identity as a as a construct. And I think that that's so short sighted because Coming together and and solidarity as a region has given people so much hope. And for me, it's given it's given me so much in my life to finally be acknowledged as what I feel like is in my heart is that my identity is regional and my work, the work that I want to do in this life is regional and it's not bound by a state or bound by a a single place. It's 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 for my people. So I would I would fall into the spirit of Appalachia. I think that it is a heart thing. Um, I, I But I would say this, the 10% of me that is not in the spirit would say that people who are coming in should not dictate to people who are from here what Appalachia is or isn't, that they should listen, be active learners. And, and there's, there's no like... 
it's not a purity test, but you do need to understand what people have been through who have lived here and understand the fights that we've been in. And I think that that is 100% achievable. So it's more like it's all in your heart, but listen to your elders too. Yeah, I think that that is totally fair. I think that's a perfect yeah. way to look at it. I don't know. I feel like I feel like this is this is just a conversation that's going to continue to happen, and I'm I'm really glad that we're tackling it because I I also want to get rid of some of that purist mentality. Um, like I I, I get it. Because being marginalized and being talked about as as dumb hicks and hillbillies can really make someone bitter. Um, so it's totally understandable yeah. that there are some people who are purists about this. Um, yeah, and and I said bullshit earlier. I I, I retract that. Like I don't want to say that it's bullshit because that's being judgy. I was just giving a reactionary <laughs> comment, so I apologize. I'm gonna, and I'm not gonna cut it. I'm gonna leave it in because nice. I'm, I'm real. I'm keeping it hunted. Uh, I don't even know if the kids say that anymore. I don't give a shit about that. Uh, what I will say is, like, I understand that point of Me view. Too. I just, I just completely disagree with it. Um, but I understand where it, I think where it comes from a lot of times, and I, I would be lying if I didn't, I hadn't felt that way in the past. Yeah. Also. Uh, yeah, my view of Apple, of who is Appalachian, has totally evolved i think just in the last like three years um because i think i was also in that kind of central appalachian like we're the real appalachians um like we are the people who have been marginalized and subjugated and used and oppressed and all of that um but my life and my uh, my mind has been so challenged and opened to the rest of the region um I, that i i feel like i was so wrong um and 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 i'm i'm really proud to have changed my mind on that and i think that that's something that our show is really good at is like embracing changing your mind on things exactly um, and so i i hope that people out there listening can also use this as an excuse to change your mind too and work to bring more people into the culture because there are tons of people who are from Appalachia, who live in Appalachia, who love Appalachia, who don't even know that being Appalachian is a, is a culture, is an identity and don't know that that's something they can be proud of. And so sharing that with our neighbors, sharing our pride in being Appalachian and what we have gained from being part of this community is a powerful, powerful weapon against the outside narratives that that do us harm. And so I think that, in my view, Appalachian identity politics is largely a great thing that has happened to our region. It's benefited me and my life. Um, and I think that we should only be sharing that with people and, and increasing that message. True that. No notes. Love it. <laughs> um, that was perfect. I think it's a perfect way to end this discussion for now. We we're, we're not ending it forever just for now because, you know, this is just one episode. Yeah. Are you, are you good? good? I'm good. I got everything out. Perfect. I love it. And uh, I think this is a great idea to open the year with. So appreciate it. And uh, to end the episode, we have a great under the radar segment because this is one that I think was was DM to us originally on Twitter. And you had some hard opinions. And I I do, too. I I do, too. But I think that you are really leading a charge on this. And I want you to do the opener. I'm hot. I'm hot about this. Hose her down. She's hot. 
Oh, God. All right. So The Atlantic, um, who has notoriously published really bad shit about Appalachia in the past, um, released uh, released. They love J.D. Vance. Yeah, they do. Well, and they yeah, they just have published so many shitty things. It was awful. Yeah. So they published. uh, Wait, to be fair, they have published Silas House, I think. Too. So I want to. I'm. I'm not trying to dog on them t- entirely. Okay. So sorry, Atlantic. So this. This felt like. This felt like an an attempt at an apology that was really a bad attempt. So the article was titled "The Photographer Undoing the Myth of Appalachia." So let me just read you the bold, bold title. Right. Bold. Title. Very big. Very big deal. Um. So all right, I'm going to read you the first paragraph. If you wanted to understand why flipping through Stacy Kranitz's recent photography book as it was give in parentheses to me feels like plunging your head into ice water, you could ponder the omission of captions that might have contextualized her images of Appalachia. You could dwell on the dissonant chords struck by mixing beauty pageants, burning cars and bloody teeth together on the page. Yeah, why contextualize Appalachia? What? Yeah. First, first of all, this article is about, well, presumably about this person's photography. Well, although like, we'll later find out that it's really right. not as much. So, okay, this opening paragraph makes me so mad because it just dives right into stereotypes, like immediately, like burning cars, bloody teeth, and beauty pageants. Like that is not. I, I've never, I never saw any of that. <laughs> like when I was growing up I mean beauty pageants like I was just never part of them but I knew they existed and so most of this article is not even about this woman and her photography most of this article is about previous articles published in the Atlantic by one of the worst people to ever get press about Appalachia Henry Cottle if you don't know who this guy is, you need to either read this article or look up some of his bullshit. He said the most offensive things about Appalachia that you could possibly imagine. And he was from like Whitesburg, Kentucky. It wasn't some yeah. outside person doing this. So I, I don't know a lot about it. I think you know more, but yeah. He just like he he would shit on the region in in ways that took literally years um, to I guess not even year decades to recover from. So it also in the article acknowledges that this woman is problematic and is known for publishing stereotypical images of Appalachia <laughs> quote, CNN had recently published a series of Kranitz's photos under the headline Life in Appalachia, but many Appalachians felt that the editors selected images of cross burnings and snake handlers reduced them to a stereotype, much as in Life magazine previously 50 years ago. My advice to her was to lean into that controversy and not run away from it, to not be afraid of it. And that was said to her by her friend Henry. Her friend, yes, not not Henry. Cotton. Yeah, no, no, a not Henry, Henry. So, I just like that to me immediately brings up red flags that this woman has given an editorial selection before that is so offensive that Appalachians felt that they needed to to talk about it and write back about it. Um, 
So looking through the images, I feel that this is just another photographer with this is going to go like with our class conversation with ties to the region. She was she was born in Kentucky, but raised in California and Florida, taking photos of dirty men in mines and drugged up poor people and babies in trailer parks and Confederate flags with shirtless men like that is what this selection of photographs is. This adds absolutely nothing to our regional discourse. I have seen these photographs for my entire time being interested in Appalachia and in historic research, these are not new. They don't add anything to the conversation. And especially to present them with no context, I think is criminal. I I really, really fucking hated this. And it made me so mad. <laughs> my thoughts are, so I, I'm not familiar with this person's whole body of work, so I'm not going to judge their entire repertoire. I, I will say that when I, I looked into this article and just look at the pictures... I saw nothing new that like hadn't been published by some major media outlets yeah. before. Like, yeah, they were obviously her images, but I was like, what, what else, what's being told here that hasn't already been told. So maybe add context to the photos. I get that's like an artistic thing or whatever, but I don't really think it adds yeah. anything there. There's so this is, um, this is another quote from the article quote. There's a lot of beauty here. This is again, her friend, Henry, who's quoted in this. There's a lot of beauty here, but hatred and backwardness that is here too. To counter Henry Cottle's negative image of Appalachia with an overly sanitized one would be equally reductive and too easy. And I completely agree with that, but this doesn't do it doesn't. that. Doesn't I, I, there's like there's there's it's just there's just like one black person pictured in the entire article and one guy with waving a rebel flag. There aren't any other non-white people, which there's plenty in Appalachia. There's no other flags, no other viewpoints other than the Confederate yeah. flag. No urban Appalachianness, no nothing. It just kind of seems like this person's taking pictures of the world, maybe the world around her. Which, if that's the case, like that's live your truth, but that's not representative of what the region is. Right? Don't call it redefining the myth of Appalachia. It's not redefining anything. It's I don't not think. redefining anything. And and to me, it you know, this is not my Appalachian lived experience. And I get that that it is a lot of people. Yeah, but. Like, I'm not trying to whitewash. I want to. I want to see. I want to see artists, and I want to see a scholar from the holler. Like, I that to me is really important to include in this conversation. Why didn't we see? Uh, there, there are tons of like trans library hours, like so, that are going on where, where like you have uh like a drag queen coming to a library. Why didn't we see any of that? Why isn't that there? West Virginia has the highest number of trans kids in the country per capita. Why didn't we see any trans kids? Like, why didn't we see any of this other side of Appalachia? I, I just, it made me really angry because it, it did not express any experience of, of, of so many of us that like queer Appalachians and you know, like, I would have loved to have seen a clinic escort in there. Go to West Virginia and take a picture of a clinic escort at an abortion clinic. Like, that's something that I feel like was hugely missing, as you're right. Like, there was no, there was a Confederate flag. Everything seemed like very backward. And there was no, like, he said to do an overly sanitized version, but like, 
there are so many people here who live here with college degrees and who are teachers and lawyers and who do amazing work that that aren't, you know, like these images that she's showing of just dirty toothless and these are in well these images are representative of something but they're not wholly representative of it and i think that's kind of the point here is like yes this is part of appalachia but you're also missing a huge part of it right. and if you're if your goal is to redefine the narrative and to show the true picture of appalachia I don't think it accomplishes that like like and, and I mean you don't need to go full bore and like the what is the opposite of a confederate flag I'm not I'm not even because like let's right. not pretend that Appalachia by and large at least a voting population is a very conservative part of the country but there's just more sure. new, like if your goal is nuance then show nuance this is not that I mean yeah. like you, they don't even ha- I don't even think this had like any like musicians or anything like that and obviously like bluegrass as we have discussed many times is a very important part of Appalachian history and culture um, there's just, there's so much to it more so than that and I think the like one of the only professions that was represented was a coal miner um, yeah the and the only the only homes that were represented were trailer parks right which is nothing wrong with living in a trailer park there's and, nothing wrong with that like that's not what I'm saying yeah yeah it's just not but it fits the mold of the stereotype that people are familiar right. with and it's just not like if your goal is to what was the article called redefine the myth of Appalachia. The undoing undoing the myth of Appalachia you're not undoing anything you're reinforcing it Right. I don't feel like this added anything to our regional discourse. I like I'm really I am personally very angry about this article. Um, Not that the Atlantic has a great reputation on Appalachia, but this got shared widely. Um, And this this person, I, I just would really I would challenge this photographer to think about the impact of what she's done and and of not representing Anything that is not the stereotypical Appalachia. And like we've said, there is nothing wrong with so many of these. There's something I would I would argue that there's something wrong with the Confederate flag. You should not have one of those. But in the rest of these photographs, like there's nothing wrong with living in a trailer at all. There's nothing wrong with, you know, being poor. But this woman, like, why would you choose to have somewhat like one of the defining photographs of Appalachia to you is someone throwing a chair at at a trailer in anger like I don't understand that yeah I don't even know that's supposed to represent yeah yeah it's it's confusing to me because like and I think the problem too is that it's framed as this is a re this is breaking down the myth of it like yeah, it, it would be so one thing if it was just framed as this is Appalachia, but it's framed as this is deconstructing the myth, undoing the myth. Right. And um, yeah. And of course, in the Atlantic, a large publication with lots of readers and viewers, especially outside the region. There you go. I mean, that's I don't have anything else to say. I think you said it all. Yeah, that's it. That's all I'm we done got with this fiery episode to kick off 2023. <laughs> I'm proud yeah. of it. It's a good one. Folks, more to come. More to come. You stay tuned. You buckle up because we're going to get ready and we're going to dive right into it this year. It's going to be fun. It's going to be saucy and it's going to be spicy. And we appreciate you. We love you. And we'll talk to you next week.